Welcome to All About Data on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jory Heckman. Thanks for joining me this week on All About Data, a conversation with chief data officers and the people who are making data work better in government. On today's episode, delivering on the Army's data and artificial intelligence goals. We're joined by the Army's chief data officer, Dr. David Markowitz. Dr. Markowitz, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. And there's a lot to get into here, but I think a good place to get started is in terms of this thinking of data as a driver of readiness across the Army and the DOD more broadly. Tell me to set the conversation here, what steps is the Army taking to empower data analytics at the strategic and tactical levels? Yeah, no, thank you. It's a great question. As this sector of the Army just released what for objective as a data-centric, making the Army a data-centric organization. At the heart of that is trying to make sure the right information is available at Echelon to improve decision-making. So there's several levels of how to try to enable that to work. One is simplifying the data space to make sure the right data that's easy to understand and is trustworthy is available at the point of need. Make it available at Echelon so that not only is available kind of at the enterprise level, but at the tactical level, having the right kind of data governance in place to make sure we can select the right data, make sure it's curated and make sure it's being pushed to the right locations. So, uh, and then there's aspects of tooling to make sure we've kind of got the right architecture, the right tool sets available to kind of enable activities to occur at speed. We find if we really simplify the data itself so that it's easily understandable kind of at the edge and provide some right tools, you get a lot of local, you power kind of that data democracy or and that kind of citizen analyst to really drive things forward. Sometimes when we have some of our major data platform where we see a lot of data analytics, if we provide like a new integrated data set, say between finance and contracting, we'll see data analytics at the edge jump about two to three fold for the next few weeks. And so that's a kind of a good kind of measure of seeing how our rate of success in being able to provide information to support that uh, data centric organization, data centric army. You know, I've had enough of these conversations with chief data officers where they're generally in the same kind of place in terms of getting their offices up and running. One common element seems to always be data inventories, assessing the data maturity of their organizations. I know that the Army and DOD is kind of the tip of the spear of what CDOs are able to do these days, but just tell me in terms of that overall data maturity, where would you assess the Army currently and what are those data maturity goals for the short-term future? Yeah, so big Army. We got a lot of different places. We got places that are excelling and some areas that need some assistance. We took kind of a part of working from OSD, some guides doing a data maturity model and some of a data analytic model too, or where are we in analysis of getting kind of our core capabilities of uh, kind of data management or data governance and availability. We've made a lot of strides on the data governance in our business mission area. Obviously, our intelligence area has huge advantages coming with the IC. It's it's led a lot. We're, we in the Army are copying a lot of what the IC kind of does in terms of how it thinks of itself and manages. 
our enterprise network is starting to come up into space with some aspects of governance, understanding and simplifying its data and making sure it's available, especially our cyber force is really quite mature. The area that we're having the most difficulty with is our most complicated, and that's our warfighting area. And that's complicated for a few areas. One is just the number of players that are involved in different areas of how the Army kind of works and just the complexity of the mission. Um, we find we kind of get the speed where we have alignment between the people who are using the data analytics with the people performing the analysis that those decision makers, you know, provide data to enable decision at echelon, those decision makers being closely aligned with the analysts who are providing those recommendations with the ownership of the data to help with those analysis and then ownership of the policy and the tools that do that. If you get those things kind of aligned, you get a lot of speed. That happening within the Army for places like the Cyber Mission Force, obviously the intelligence community, our logistics community is very good. And so we're starting to have finance is actually not too bad. But in our war fighting, there's a split between those who are using the tools in the field versus those who develop them versus those who own more Army enterprise processes. And so some of the art is trying to make sure those get aligned in terms of governorship and process. So we're working with it. We've come up with earlier this summer kind of a new way of data governance in this area. We're under in the Army what's called a data cloud execution order. We're in our third year. And this third year has a hyper focus on fighting at the core JTF level to enable kind of the war fighting mission at that area. We're seeing a lot of great activity from operations in Europe right now, huge interests in uh, U.S. Army Pacific, and obviously some of our more traditional areas of looking at our combat development within project convergence with Army Futures Command. So looking at those three areas, we're really trying to get a better focus or jumpstart on data handling data governance, the kind of full data lifecycle for critical warfighter mission areas, again, focusing at the core and uh, for us joint JTF level, joint task force. All right. And something that you recognized earlier in answering that question is that it's a big army and that the problem is never that there's not enough data. It's getting to that data quality side of things. And in terms of that data quality, reducing data duplication, making the data in its best, most usable form is, is, of course, a priority for any CDO office. Tell me, what steps or initiatives is the Army taking to do just that? So we're actually, again, big Army. We, we got a mix. Uh, just to give some insight on the, the areas. Some areas we, we, we have the blessing of duplication too much, right? There's areas where actually we really don't have, we have real deficit and a lack of collection or people call it digital exhaust, especially in our tactical formations activities will occur and we'll lose a lot of information. So it's with the unit for a period for a month or two, locally stored and then kind of disposed of. And so we're really trying to evaluate what it needs to be collected, especially at the edge to, so it doesn't become exhaust, but helps the enterprise as a whole. That is an area where we don't have the type of censoring that we want. And then because tactic units often bandwidth challenge, how to kind of get that out. That's a kind of a challenge area for us. More so probably than the other services and certainly more so than industry, because we need to be able to operate remotely and, you know, with small units dispersed. Of the areas where we have a lot, we've been trying to identify what's called authoritative data, where we'll have kind of the right governance and we call it data steward. We'll identify what is the data that is integrated, that is now like the official source. The kind of best examples like Human Resources Command, if you look at their suite of tools after some level of consolidation, they still have, think of it as 
300,000 columns of separate data elements, and then every row being kind of like a soldier or civilian in the army. Most of those columns are duplicates. They're last name, first name, social, DOD ID number, across different systems. So to simplify the space, you've got to find out of the 300,000 what's authoritative. It's probably less than 3,000 as it's integrated just because every system kind of made its own local copy. So this type of transitioning from a system view of data to more of an enterprise view, where the enterprise then has this kind of integration function where it starts to say, this is kind of an integrated data product that has all you need to know and don't worry about like the subfeeder systems. This is it. That's kind of on the journey that we're on. We're trying to help to establish that with certainly a data catalog with it. We're in a process of identifying data products that are kind of system independent. And we're starting to try piloting API interfaces, these kind of enterprise level data products right now with some focus on both to help our warfighting area and some of our uh, business mission area. Okay, and to pull on that thread for a little bit longer, I think one of the overarching goals here is to uh, put data at the fingertips of people on the edge, the you know the warfighter out in the battle space. And it seems like this, this cloud environment that you described earlier enables that sort of uh, data readiness. What steps is the Army taking to make its data more widely discoverable, accessible, and understandable to those end users? Part of this is the, if I didn't explain it right, is a enterprise data service catalog, which will have kind of your searchable place where you get your data, your data models permissioning. Uh, we're putting, trying to put more and more of our data, kind of data lifecycle functions within that data catalog tool set. We're trying to make sure that there's a more of an enterprise API access point to be able to get to the data more easily. And that's under a piloting stage right now that we're doing. As part of the data cloud XOR, there's a high interest in a persistent common operating picture at the theater level. And that becomes kind of a theater level store repository that subunits can then pull from and kind of get kind of an instantaneous picture of where the theater's going. Kind of what, what do you need to know? And so that you don't have to duplicate and a lot of labor involved and kind of set something up. Uh, our approach is, to be honest, it's it's a bit of an oil spot, like, you know, taking kind of a counterinsurgency term. We've got areas where there's been a lot of interest in that we're growing kind of these kind of simplified data products and making them available. We've made progress on areas of like finance, contracting, uh, movement of forces, equipment visibility, equipment readiness, aspects of people readiness, certainly some form of targeting packages there's areas where we've not made a lot of progress. We've not a lot, made a lot of progress in areas like understanding our collective training does not have like a good tool set. Mm -hmm. That's an area that's been interest. Uh, certainly a lot of interest right now, making sure we clean up our recruiting data landscape to make sure that that's best available. We have the data, but how to make sure it was uh, easily accessible by those who kind of need it that can do analysis on it. So we've got some areas that we're, we're absolutely working on. We're speaking with David Markowitz, the Army's chief data officer. We're going to take a short break, but we'll continue our conversation when we return. I'm Jory Heckman, and you're listening to All About Data on Federal News Network.
Welcome back to All About Data. We're speaking with David Markowitz, the Army's Chief Data Officer. To dive a little bit deeper into one of the case studies you said there as far as making sure that the equipment is available, that there's you know, a dashboard type view yeah. into that sort of thing. I think that's uh, something we've seen DOD-wide as a pretty interesting use case in terms of predictive maintenance and going a step further, autonomous and unmanned vehicles. Can you maybe unpack a little bit more about what the Army is doing in that space? Most of the activity right now is kind of building that data foundation for just awareness, kind of simple awareness tools. And that's where we're making most of our progress right now. But certainly there is a view of trying to mature getting from, from simple awareness to kind of decision-making to some form of forecasting to then kind of control, right? You kind of standard analytic maturity model. Most of the Army's solidly in the get the visibility of the data to make kind of the simple decisions. Of the predictive maintenance, there's uh, some examples of trying to get a more higher order artificial intelligence view that our G4, that's Army Logistics head, is leading right now as kind of a piloting effort. But it's, it's a tough challenge because it's taking more of like a system of systems approach, which is often very difficult. A more focused effort would be some of the ones our, our PEO Aviation is doing with trying to understand um, engine maintenance. So we're developing like a new aircraft engine, the ITEP engine. It's the new engine for the Apache and Blackhawk, uh, much more powerful, and it's censored throughout. So getting all that sensor information off the engine to help with predictive maintenance for the engine. And so the Army is kind of working really with industry right now. This bit new area for, for the Army trying to rethink about what is our relationship with industry. Because if you look at, say, like the commercial sector, that predictive analytics is sometimes done by the engine manufacturer. However, just the way the Army operates and from our dispersed locations and sometimes challenging for network, we want to make sure that the Army kind of has some ownership of that a bit of that process. And so we're trying to figure what is that right relationship between the government and industry to do kind of this work that in the commercial space, I think, is primarily done by the OEM. But we want to make sure we've got full visibility in the Army and we've got some form of competition or just understanding how kind of unique Army operations kind of affects this type of engine performance and being able to kind of link engine performance and engine activity with kind of unique and very varied mission sets that the versus kind of like a standard airline type of not as complicated. It strikes me that AI is really a really new frontier for DOD across the board here, and that data really is this foundation, it seems, for a lot of this work. What do you see as some of the cyber implications for AI, both in terms of the challenges and opportunities from your perspective as the CDO? AI is like a big, I think a somewhat overused term. I'm an analyst by background, so I just think of some of the AI tools as it's just another arrow in the quiver, right? We're seeing widespread use of kind of more simple machine learning to gather information, get it into a kind of a standardized view, help with curation and help with kind of integration. And that is being used throughout the Army very dispersed. Also to kind of great effect in the our cyber world where we've got these uh, kind of larger data platforms that are collecting a lot of our network information and then provide kind of a fused piece of information censoring so the Army can take rapid action if there's uh, if identified cyber vulnerability. There's also the idea that if you kind of get a consistent view of kind of network activity, you can look for outliers. You know, is there unusual behavior that needs to provide focus on? Uh, the more complicated AI tools that, you know, beyond machine learning to some form. We're in the process. That's a learning process. I think those are still very much in the 
have to be run by experts to make sure. And there's a lot of interest in making sure do we have the right data to train them. And then still an unknown on how fragile those tools are once trained. And hence the idea that you need kind of a person in the loop to get the more complicated activity versus come back to you go to more to the system level, be it like the ITEP engine you get or these other areas where kind of data curation or data merging, automate it. And then it becomes just kind of your core business at that, that kind of machine learning level. So there's a bit of a range, kind of the tail end. What is in that middle space? Not a, We're still kind of... A, uh, feeling it out. Okay. And I know that I asked that question with an AI angle to it specifically, but to broaden that out a little bit more, are there other preventative efforts that are being made to improve military cybersecurity that you'd like to unpack in a little bit more detail? There's a lot of activity in our cyberspace domain that we're, we're moving forward with. Three major efforts to kind of identify them. One is we're aligning our authorizing officials, kind of a policy level piece, governance, with aligning our authorizing officials and who has the ability to kind of approve what goes on the network with U.S. Cybercom's uh, directed authority to make sure that those are kind of synergized so that we've got better alignment of who takes risk and how to mitigate risk on the network. That is an enabler then for our kind of step for RMF, the process that we use for, for the risk management framework. We've got something called RMF 2.0, which is trying to reestablish that risk management framework, get away more from the paperwork up front to actual operations and kind of do, trying to get to this continuous monitoring, but not there yet. And then lastly, we kind of have a cyber uh, risk management uh, framework that's Army Cyber Risk Management Council that tries to provide a single point for mission needs versus cyber risk to make sure that if U.S. Cybercom or uh, Army Cyber Command under working for U.S. Cybercom doesn't have enough to mitigate or they need better Army-wide activity to help mitigate a vulnerability, we've got a forum to do that in order to take either keep mission going or, depending on U.S. Cybercom direction, take something off the net. So uh, kind of three major areas for at the kind of the Army level for trying to do kind of governance, that governance improvement speed operations. To continue along this cyber train of the conversation here, a lot of conversations these days around cyber in the uh, the federal government space is DevSecOps. And that's something that is, of course, part and parcel to this conversation. Can you, a moment here, explain to me what the Army is doing in that arena and how it impacts cybersecurity? Yeah, yeah. So when I said before, we had a data cloud execution order with a large focus on providing kind of JTF capability and integrating. One of the areas that is a call out is actually the DevSecOps environment to make sure we're developing that in stream. So that is a uh, specified area. And we're coming up with some views of how to better incorporate the software pathway and more institutionalize our DevSecOps environment. So we've got a developing one called Create from our Enterprise Cloud Management Agency. It's, it's formative, trying to find out what are the right policies in place to make sure that, that if, a, if that's a kind of a government offering with industry to make sure we've kind of get a common operating environment for DevSecOps. So for development, because the idea, if you can standardize it and you can inherit a lot of tools, you can do security a lot easier. You can do kind of a stepping stone to get continuous monitoring and then also embrace that kind of agile software development. The area for scaling, kind of putting back my data hat, is there's a desire for a lot of the DevSecOps beyond just kind of your kind of small little applications. If you're going to do larger scale applications, the architecture and data standards become real critical activities up front because those control a lot of your interfaces 
data is like a primary interface between processes, right? If you can define your how your data is done, in essence, you've defined interfaces between different form activities and how they should be done and what they should produce if you define your data right. If you do that right, DevSecOps becomes easier to scale because you have different communities because you've defined all your interfaces well. We have yet to find a way to do that well at scale. And I think that we're starting to kind of see that. Some of it is trying to get, again, data and data standards at an enterprise level beyond a system level. And if we can do that, then things like DevSecOps can like pick up speed and actually produce the kit. But you've got to have that kind of enterprise view of what the data should be that's a little more system independent. That's a cultural change for us where we're, we're trying. You had mentioned earlier how this really does kind of take a village. You know, the Army has quite a team within it, but of course there's that partnership with industry as well. That brings me to my next point. How is the Army keeping pace with the private sector in terms of data security measures? That's an interesting. So there's a lot of partnership between U.S. Cybercom, the federal government, and the Army, and with industry to make sure we're kind of using the same ITs. Certainly, there's there's the the groups that kind of meet regularly to make sure if there's you know your zero days to make sure we kind of take advantage of them kind of quickly. As we're trying to build out our zero trust view, which is kind of a data centric less perimeter defense, more kind of in-depth. We're still kind of learning from industry for how to how to do it, taking some of those zero trust principles. The partnership with industry, certainly we appreciate there's a lot of tool sets out there that will help us on the zero trust journey that industries have kind of already mapped. And we're trying to incorporate them, be it a package solution or sometimes the ability to integrate different pieces together to meet kind of army needs is kind of where we're kind of sifting through right now. But there's a lot of commercial tool sets out there. For us, a lot of interest is to make sure some of those commercial tool sets are interoperable, be it like a identity management and account provisioning activities versus your endpoint device checking, right? You want those to work together so that your endpoint, who's using your endpoint kind of those two things can link up the who and the what. And the more the tools can be worked together, the easier it is for us as a government to kind of choose and integrate versus my industry provider, my controls, proprietary software on like software-defined network and routing. And we don't really like your identity management solutions. Like, oh no, burden for us. So that certainly it's a, a, a way of thinking through how to work in that industry space to see our overall kind of zero trust activities that we want to achieve and what's available. Army has probably a little different challenge than some others uh, to the area challenges that we come to. It's just our scale, 1.4, 1.5 million users include military, civilian, and contractors that work for the Army. And then um, uh, the need for dispersed operations. We don't want to have like a single identity management, but have like five of them, one, depending upon where you are in the Ar- Army. If it's at the enterprise level versus at some kind of remote post that will be disconnected. So, you know, how to get things on the tactical edge and make sure it works back at the enterprise level, I think is a kind of unique challenge area. That was David Markowitz, the Army's Chief Data Officer. You can find the full interview on federalnewsnetwork.com. I'm Jory Heckman, and thanks for listening to this episode of All About Data. Thanks for listening to All About Data on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your favorite podcast app. Search for All About Data on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows.